Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. He is a vascular interventional radiologist at Houston Fibroids. Let me welcome to the show Dr. Eric Hardy. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi, Eric Hardy, Dr. Eric Hardy. Um, did your family start the Hardy's franchise? Is that is that in your family? No, they did not. It was a, um, uh, a actually one of my great great grand relatives was a general in the in the Civil War and um, which uh, side? Who start, I don't remember the guy who started the franchise. He actually taught at West Point. The guy who started the franchise was a Civil War historian. And so he named it after him. There was no relation to uh, him uh, whatsoever. So, okay, all right. My did not start it. Okay. Tried to get free food when I was a kid, though, but never get, was able to. So, you should show them your ID. This is my my family's res, res, restaurant. All right, how did you get into the fibroid area? You know, you had uh, so many different disciplines you could have gone into. Why why this area? Well, my specialty does minimally invasive procedures uh, like angiograms, where we treat disease by inserting catheters into the body, doing angioplasty, things like that. And uh, I started doing uterine fibrillimbalization approximately 20 years ago um, uh, and just was drawn to it because the procedure itself was technically very challenging. And I saw a need for it uh, uh, because it's a, it's, a, it's a procedure that we do that treats uterine fibroid symptoms without surgeries. Because uh, before this procedure was invented, basically, uh, women's only option was to have major surgery, hysterectomy, uh, where you remove the entire uterus. And this procedure came in as an alternative to getting rid of uh, symptoms that are caused by fibroids without having to have surgery. What are the symptoms that are caused by fibroids that they get this for? Well, you know, fibroids are benign tumors and uh, in about 35 to 40% of women actually have symptoms. So most women don't have symptoms. And once you have symptoms, they usually get worse as time goes by. And the most common symptom is heavy bleeding, heavy, heavy menstrual cycles. The bleeding can be severe enough where women become anemic and need iron therapy all the time. Some women even need blood transfusions multiple times. I've treated women who had to have blood transfusions several times a year because of their heavy cycles. Fibroids can also cause a lot of heavy, a lot of pelvic pain or pressure. And if the fibroids or the uterus get big enough, they cause what we call uh, bulk-related symptoms uh, where they'll press on structures like the bladder and make you feel like you have to go to the restroom uh, you know, every five minutes. Uh, so that's kind of the most common symptoms. Now, here's a strange story, and it's from 30 years ago. I had a friend who had was pregnant, and she had fibroids that were bigger than her baby. And she did successfully deliver that baby with those fibroids. But she said what the way they treated her because she was in so much pain was with morphine. And she said that morphine is not addictive if you actually need it. And so she was able to successfully deliver a baby and then treat the fibroids afterwards. Have you ever heard of any such thing? But this I, is- I have. And, uh, and you know, during this 20 years, you really hear, hear all the stories about what women with fibroids go through and, uh, you know, how much they suffer and how they're still able to get through and, and, and get on with life and get all their work done and take care of their family and everything. It's, it's pretty amazing, actually, what, you, what, what women go through uh, with fibroids. And that's an XX chromosome. Uh, okay. Well, I was, I, you knew I was going to say I, it. I, I, I'm imagining there's nobody with an XY chromosome that has uh, fibroids. Uterine fibroids. Right. So let's not move that over here. Right. Dr. Eric Hardy is here. Um, Could I send my friend to you? Because she's scheduled to have a a uterus taken out. 
Well, fibroids is, is one reason for hysterectomy. There are also other reasons. So without knowing the history, without knowing your history, I'm not really sure. Um, there's other reasons for hysterectomy, including uh, uh, uterine prolapse, where the uterus sort of kind of sags out the bottom of the pelvis. Also, endometriosis is a, uh, is a common cause of hysterectomy. You. She has the symptoms. She's keeping her ovaries, but they're going to take the uterus because of all the fibroids. Right. So, uh, and fibroids is probably, it, it not probably, probably, fibroids is the most common diagnosis for African-American women to have uh, a hysterectomy. About 68% of, of African-American women, if they have a hysterectomy, it's due to fibroids. Uh, it's the most common diagnosis there. Um, and, you know, hysterectomy gets rid of the problem, but, you know, it's a major surgery. Uh, you have to have a, you know, a permanent scar. Uh, the downtime is typically, uh, most women are quoted four to six weeks of downtime, sometimes more, sometimes a little less. Uh, you know, these minimally invasive hysterectomies where you do it laparoscopically really can't be performed in most patients with fibroids because fibroids are, are large masses that grow. And uh, once the uterus gets to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, a certain size, uh, you can't remove it laparoscopically or transvaginally. It has to be removed from the open abdominal incision. So that's what makes it a bigger operation. So Dr. Dr. Eric Hardy is here. Vascular interventional radiology is what he specializes in, which is what cutting off the blood supply and uh, is that so what what's the process by which you deal with uh, fibroids? And I know a lot of black women that have them, the bleeding, the excessive bleeding every month, the pain is the, the anemia, all of those things, which right, right now in COVID having that is almost puts you in an immunocompromised it probably does right to have anemia during a time when we're in a pandemic is not good. No, it's not. And a lot of women are walking out there being profoundly anemic and they're, they're, you know, they can cause, you know, extreme fatigue and health issues. Um, and, and so, you know, the, how the procedure works is, you know, if, if a lady has symptoms, typically they'll get an imaging study like an ultrasound in their doctor's office and they'll detect fibroids. Uh, and then women who uh, sometimes are referred to us by gynecologists, uh, oftentimes they find us uh, doing their own research on the internet uh, and they're, they're looking for alternatives to hysterectomy. And we will see the uh, patient, uh, and then once uh, they're evaluated by us, we'll typically we'll order an MRI imaging study uh, to look at the fibroids and see how many there are, where they're located. Uh, we want to check the blood supply. Fibroids are very vascular tumors. The way the procedure works is you shut the blood flow down of the fibroids, and once once the fibroids are deprived of their blood supply, they begin to shrivel up. They shrink typically to about 30% of their original size. Uh, but in addition to shrinking, they soften up and they turn from like a hard, solid rubber mass into like a little small, little water balloon, like a little cyst, where you no longer can feel it because they're so soft. But uh, most important, though, is that in addition to shrinking and softening, the symptoms go away. Typically, heavy bleeding symptoms are gone in over 80% of women at the three-month interval. And at the 12-month interval, in over 90% of women, the bleeding symptoms are gone. Bulk-related symptoms, say you got a big fibroid pressing on your bladder, causing a lot of urinary frequency, those can take a little bit longer to go away. Typically, at three months after the procedure, uh, two-thirds of women have relief of symptoms, but at one year, over, over 90%, the bulk-related symptoms are gone as well. And you know, the advantage of the procedure is there's no scars, there's no incision made in the body. Uh, we insert a very tiny catheter into the body to do arteriogram. The catheters are so tiny nowadays that I actually insert it my partner and I have been doing this for a while. We inserted through an artery in the left wrist and then guide the catheter wow. into a pel the pelvis and do an angiogram, find the blood Wait, vessels. From the wrist, the from a person's wrist, yes. you insert a catheter that goes all the way down to the uterus. All the way down. Wow. Takes about 90, takes about 90 seconds to get there. 
Um, wow. And the advantage of the wrist access is kind of a side thing is, uh, is that the bleeding complications are lower. As soon as we're done, the ladies can get up and walk around. Typically, if you most arteriogram type procedures are done by inserting a catheter through an artery in the groin. And if you have that, you have to lay flat for several hours afterwards. But doing it through the wrist makes the procedure easier for us, makes it easier for the patients, fewer complications. Uh, so, so we do, we insert the catheter down into the pelvis. And this is all done with x-ray guidance. We're looking at, you know, under fluoroscopy or x-ray, live x-ray, basically. Uh, and we inject, you know, x-ray dye and, and map out the blood vessels in the pelvis and find the blood vessels that are feeding the fibroids and inject these tiny inert particles are made out of a kind of a collagen-based substance, which is a naturally occurring substance that's in everybody's, you know, body and tissues. And when these little tiny beads are about a half a millimeter in, uh, in diameter, we float those into the blood vessels supplying the fibroids and shut the blood flow down on the fibroids. Once we have all the blood flow shut down to each and every fibroid, then the catheter comes out and the ladies go home about an hour and a half uh, after we're done. There's no scar, no stitches. We don't remove any body parts. Ladies recover in their own home. Most people or uh, most patients are back to starting to resume normal activity and go back to work around seven days after the procedure. Some go back a few days earlier. Some go back a few days. Let's say again. Who invented this? Uh, it was really uh, these two French uh, physicians. One was an interventional radiologist. The other was a gynecologist, Pelage and Ravenna. And this was in the early 90s. Um, uh, for, for They had a group of patients and the gynecologist uh, was concerned about blood loss in this large group of patients. And so he asked his, uh, his colleague in the hospital, uh, who's an interventional radiologist, to, do, to, to embolize or shut the blood flow down to the uterine arteries, you know, supplying the uterus before surgery. And so for, for some reason, which is not entirely clear, a large group of patients, a somewhat large group of patients, was, they had their embolization procedures done by uh, 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 all at once. And there was a delay in them getting their hysterectomies. And then a few weeks later, all of the patients started canceling the hysterectomies, calling up saying, my symptoms went away. I don't want surgery anymore. And so uh, that's when people, hey, maybe we're onto something here. And then, it, uh, and then other people started studying the uh, procedure uh, uh, you know, in Europe. And then a few years later, it started uh, being uh, performed in, in investigational trials at medical centers in the United States. And this was uh, right after, you know, it, it kind of passed the kind of research phase is when I was a fellow uh, in, in Oregon. And, and one of my young attending um, uh, professors was, uh, uh, this was an area of interest for him. And, uh, and we started, uh, I started working with him and, and, you know, and then I've been doing it since then. And since then it's been researched more heavily. It's becoming more widespread. Although a lot of people still aren't aware of it, uh, you know, 20 years in medicine is still relatively new, uh, uh, you know, when you're talking about uh, supplanting, a, you know, surgical procedure, which has been around for 80 to 100 years kind of deal. So are the most uh, of your patients black women? I would say two thirds of them black women. And then the next um, uh, and then uh, the other third are a mix between Caucasian and Hispanic women. Uh, but, you know, fibroids are three times more common. Fibroids are common in all women. Okay, by the age of by the age of 50, 70 percent of Caucasian women will have fibroids. Eighty percent of African-American women will have fibroids. African-American women are more likely to have larger fibroids and be more symptomatic. So it's and you, if you look at hysterectomy rates, you know, only for Caucasian women getting hysterectomy, only a third of them are getting hysterectomy for fibroids. The other the most common cause for hysterectomy in, in Caucasian women are things like uh, uh, uterine prolapse or endometriosis, okay? Uh, so only a third of hysterectomies Caucasian women done for fibroids. In African-American women, almost 70% are done for fibroids. 
If you have a hysterectomy as an African-American woman, 68 to 70% of those women are getting it for fibroids. And if you look at hysterectomy rate per thousand women, uh, the hysterectomy rate per thousand women for, uh, for Caucasian women is around five and a half. So out of a thousand Caucasian women, a little over five out of a thousand will have a hysterectomy for any reason. If you look at African-American women, same age group, we're talking 35 to 44 year olds. If you look at African-American women, out of a thousand African-American women, over 12 will have hysterectomy for, for, uh, for fibroids alone. And mm. so then you add other causes in there and the hysterectomy rate in African-American African -American women is more than double any other, any other race. Mm. Um, and it's prim primarily due because of fibroids. Do you, mm. do you also think that there could be some medical bias um, in terms of like, cause your, your, you know, your procedure seems to be effective and why isn't that the, you know, the most prevalent way in which we treat fibroids? Why history? Why take out? The people, I think there's a number of reasons for, for a number of reasons for that. You know, I think that, uh, you know, by and large, uh, as you know, the medical community is so super specialized. It's very difficult for a, you know, I, I'm extremely specialized and there's things that I hear about other people doing in other specialties say, oh, wow, I didn't know you could do that. Um, it, it's hard to keep up when you're so focused. And, and then other things, it, it, doctors may know about this procedure uh, or they may not know about it. If they, if they know about it, even if they know about this procedure exists, I think it's, it's, it's a natural it's a, it, tendency if, if, a, if you're a physician and a patient comes to you with a problem you really want to help that patient. You want to you want to treat that patient. You want to help them solve their problem. The natural tendency is to look inside your own toolbox, your toolbox, to solve that problem. Not going to look into somebody else's toolbox. And gynecologists don't do this procedure, and they're trained to do you know surgery. And so, you know, when somebody comes to see them, they the natural reaction is to uh, you know treat patients the way they're trained to treat patients. And you know, you can't. Uh, it, it, if you're a carpenter, everything looks like a nail. That's right. right and right, so, right, right, uh, right. and they don't really do anything remotely similar to this. Uh, so and, we need so... more, more Dr. Hardy's in the world. And, I, and I'm only rushing you a little bit because we only have like five minutes left and we have a bunch of people who want to ask questions. So what's the name of your sure. specialty? So we know what people need to go into. Uh, interventional radiology, vascular interventional radiology. Okay. All right. Let's go to uh, Lonnie in Atlanta. You have a question for Dr. Hardy. Welcome. Yes. Thank you. So uh, for my fibroids, I never had the heavy menstrual, all that. Never was always light, little cramps, not. And then when I turned 50, I was like, oh, I'm going to start exercising. I had pain in my belly. It was fibroids. I started started menopause that same time. The, the fibroids, I mean, like I said, they, you, I might have had them, but they, I was never, they just, started then so you think you activated them by i've heard the opposite dr hardy that that menopause yeah, typically by menopause typically at menopause the symptoms uh get better uh not always uh but they they typically get better and um uh and, and so you know when you're getting in your 50s that's when you gotta you know kind of decide are your symptoms you know getting getting worse or getting better uh, and, and that's important to see a gynecologist for that because they have to do a pap smear and endometrial biopsy. Um, if you're not having any bleeding, you can still have bulk related symptoms from fibroids, even after you stop having menstrual cycles. Um, and, and, and so some women are still symptomatic after menopause, uh, due to fibroids because of that. Deborah, and thank you for sharing Lonnie, Deborah in South Carolina, you're on welcome. 
Well, thank you. Um, I had the procedure done. Um, I'm in South Carolina and was scheduled to have the uh, pre-op for was scheduling it. And a friend of mine called and said, you know, I had this procedure done. I don't want you to go through the hysterectomy. And so long story short, I canceled um, I canceled the procedure, the hysterectomy. Um, shout out to Roper Hospital in Charleston. Um, found the specialist there. Got the procedure done back in 2014. I was I had I developed pica. I was eating ice like crazy. Um, haven't had any problems since. I'm 60 now, um, and didn't go through menopause. It was wonderful. Okay. That's great. Thank That's you. great. And, and, and the, the ice craving is a very common symptom when you have iron deficiency anemia. Many women bleed so heavily, they, they have iron deficiency anemia and craving ice and brittle hair and other things are kind of secondary kind of indirect signs uh, in, that you have uh, anemia. Interesting. Cynthia in Ohio, you're on. Welcome. Hi, I was just calling to say, say the exact same thing that I had the procedure also about four years ago and had to you know decide between a hysterectomy or this procedure and i knew i didn't want to get a hysterectomy i had a african-american OBGYN, and that's what she um recommended me to do and um hey it's been wonderful so I where are you to, where did you do it i'm in um, columbus ohio my doctor is dr t um black OBGYN here in columbus ohio Okay, so we got we got to encourage more OBGYNs to know uh, either to to have somebody working hand in hand like Dr. Hardy, uh, who is a specialist in vascular interventional radiology, uh, which I think is amazing. Uh, that non-invasive and that you can go through the wrist. What? How much diet? How much does diet fat? I I was you know all tumors feed on fat from what I heard. So if you have a low fat diet or if you eliminate fried foods from your diet. Will that impact the the size of your fibroids? Uh, that's an excellent question. Uh, first off, not specific foods, but uh, to start with is obesity. Uh, being overweight increases your relative risk of having fibroids and having larger fibroids. Uh, adipose tissue uh, increases the conversion of hormones and you have more estrogen. Uh, it's basically con uh, hormones are converted into estrogen uh, in, in fat cells. And so being overweight contributes to it. But specific types of food also are known to increase the risk of uh, developing fibroids. Uh, beef, uh, eating a lot of uh, red meat uh, increases your relative risk 1.7 times. Uh, in ham as well. Uh, consuming mainly a vegetarian diet lowers your risk. Um, so diet does definitely play a, a role in it, um, uh, in addition to you know, your overall level of health and weight. So if you are in the Houston area, because you don't travel, I'm imagining, Dr. Hardy, do you travel? Uh, not yet, no. Okay, all right. So you have a whole, uh, HoustonFibroids.com is where you can reach him. Houston Fibroids, this is what they specialize in. Dr. Hardy is the chief guy there. Dr. Eric Hardy, vascular interventional radiology is what he specializes in. And I appreciate you. We only, we only have two minutes left. Tanya, you want, you want to say something? Okay. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, this was very insightful. Uh, guys, yes, we have options. Dr. Hardy, appreciate you. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.